Hello, everyone, and welcome to BibleQuest.org, where we discuss biblical topics and questions from the audience each week. Um, if you're joining us from the Facebook page today, please leave your questions in the comments below, and we will try to get to those as soon as we can. Um, if you're joining us uh, through the, Bible, uh, the Zoom app, please leave your questions in the Q&A box at the top of your screen there. Our panelists today are Scott from, from here in Gettysburg. Hey, Scott. Hey, Steve. And Drew from Homesdale, Pennsylvania. How you doing, Stephen? I'm getting an echo from one of the things. Yeah, some of the I was hearing that coming through as well. That's always frustrating when you get those echo. It's amazing how difficult it is to talk when you start getting the, the echo coming yeah, back. But you did a good job. You did a good job. It may have been my fault. I I went over to the Facebook your Facebook page to see it coming in live and see if it was and everything. And I think it was a second behind. And then, so I cut it, I cut it. It's all right. That's why I have my headphones on because I started getting the feedback as well and I have to go in and mute the video as I'm looking. So anyway, welcome to everybody and uh, thank you for joining the discussion today. We have uh, three questions in the queue for today, but we're looking for more questions. So please, if you have a Bible question that's related to what we're talking about, or if you have another Bible question, uh, we'd love to uh, address as many questions as we can on the air today and in the future program. So please, uh, if you're watching today uh, and something's been on your mind, leave that in the questions, or excuse me, in the comments below, and we'll try to get to that as soon as we can. Uh, our first question in the queue for today uh, comes to us from a friend of Drew's, and the question is this. Some say that religion, especially, specifically the religion of Christ, has caused harm and damage to mankind overall. Where has Christianity benefited mankind from a humanistic point of view as well as spiritual? So interesting uh, question to start off with today. Really good question. What do you think people are usually thinking of when they start saying uh, that uh, Christianity has damaged society and, and history would have been better off without it? Uh, usually uh, they talk about the wars that go on in the planet on the earth uh, that the crusades cause yeah the crusades is always the great favorite fallback but even more recent than that the wars that are going on today are because of the religious differences the question started out with religion causing the harm and then specifically christianity so i, I may agree with the first part of that that religion does cause a lot of harm but not necessarily am I agreeing with the, that Christianity is doing and, it. And let's look historically. There, there, what, what would be some major wars that have a very, very clear religious background? Huh. Well, you, a lot of the conflicts in the Middle East with the, with the Muslim countries have a religious background. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's not totally that. Uh, Saddam Hussein was not a devout Muslim, you know, when he invaded Kuwait. Uh, He wanted their oil. Uh, So very often you'll have a war, and even if religious things are appealed to, there's a different motive altogether. In World War II, for example, Hitler was not motivated by religion. But you know what all the belt buckles said that the army wore? In fact, I've got one in the other room. It says, Gott mit uns, God with us. Oh, so wow. 
lots of wars have been executed where people have claimed that God's on their side, but that's usually not the reason uh, that the war starts. Now, with some of the latest uh, Islamic wars, if it started by a faction, you know, for religious reasons, uh, it, it can certainly be involved. But beyond those, what are some other wars that were primarily religious? Certainly the Crusades themselves were uh, done under the name of Christianity. Yeah. And so, as you say, under the name, why is that distinction important? Well, there's a, a big distinction lot, lots of times between what's done in the name of a particular cause and what is actually uh, commanded by that cause. In this case, Jesus himself. Um, and what's the nature of his kingdom? Did he, did Jesus somehow tell those people to do those things? Um, or are these people who have taken a particular cause and applied it to their own desires and yes. their own, uh, their own cause really. And, uh, just kind of pasted a name on top of it. Yeah. So let, let's break that down into uh, two or three quick points. Uh, let's take a look at a biblical example of the difference between doing something in the name of the Lord and simply saying it's in the name of the Lord. Uh, then let's take a look at what the Crusades were kind of about. Uh, and then we'll come back to some other things in the question. So uh, the Bible uses the expression in the name of the Lord uh, a lot. Uh, in Matthew 28, Jesus said, go make disciples of all nations and baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. Acts 2, repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Do you remember an incident where people started doing something and they said it was in the name of Jesus and it wasn't? There was a time in Acts 19 where there were the seven sons of Sceva and there, I adjure you by the Jesus whom Paul proclaims. Yeah. <laughs> like how they had to reference Paul to get it. That, that Jesus, because uh, they apparently didn't know Jesus and the demons are like, oh, Paul, I know, and Jesus, I know, but who are you? <laughs> you know, yeah, they, that's right. The guy or the demons uh, kicks him out. Yeah, and they uh, flee the house uh, wounded and naked. So there was a big difference between what Paul did in the name of the Lord and what these guys who weren't even Christians were doing that they claimed to be in the name of the Lord. And uh, we could go on uh, a lot about the history of some of this, but just to mention there's a book. Go ahead, Stephen. Well, you just got a, a comment here from Preston on the Facebook page. He says, the problem isn't Christianity. The problem is power acting on an agenda in the name of Christianity. Very you good. Judge, Very you good. judge a religion by its followers, but only by what is written. Very good. Thanks, Preston. Um, so let's, let's take the Crusades, for example. Jesus predicted that Jerusalem was going to be destroyed. And it was. And this is what he said in Luke 21, verse 20. When you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies, then know that its desolation has come near. Then let those who are in Judea do what? Flee to the mountains. Yeah, flee to the mountains. Let those that are inside the city do what? Leave. And those who were out in the country uh, don't enter in. And then he says, there's going to be great wrath against this people. They will fall by the edge of the sword, be left captive among all nations. Jerusalem will be trampled underfoot 
by the Gentiles until the time the Gentiles are fulfilled. Did Jesus say anything there about his disciples having to go back and liberate that city? No, they're not called to fight. In this case, they're called to flee. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Get out, go, flee. Um, now, the, the Crusades, it, before the Crusades, you have the 900s. And I want to recommend a book here. It's a historical book. It's not a religious book. It's a history book. Uh, it's by a fellow named Chamberlain. And the name of it is The Bad Popes. And it's just some history about some of the most notorious popes. And a lot of them were in the 900s. And what they did, when you read about these guys, you just see how power hungry it had become. Uh, there are some later popes in there as well. He'll, he talks about some of the popes who uh, didn't even believe, couldn't have even explained the simplest verse from a psalm. Uh, one of the popes who, who, looking at a turkey carcass on the table, said that um, humans have no more chance of life after death than that turkey carcass. But at that time, if you were power hungry, if you wanted power and wealth, what position on earth could compare to either being a king or the Pope? And at one point, there was a king who waited outside in the snow for three days for the Pope to let him in to a city. So with that kind of power, what kind of men do you suppose it attracted? Power hungry men. Yeah. Now, does that mean that nobody who went on a crusade might have been motivated also by some misguided religious belief, maybe so, but it didn't make it right. And it didn't make it Christianity. That's right. Natalie Wilson also commented, she said, whenever I think about the distinction between religion and real Christianity, uh, I think of this more recent example of the Westboro Baptist church claiming they're serving God. Oh yeah. They're serving themselves. Yeah. And yeah. that really is a, a sad modern example and just so much yeah. hate. Um, and doing it in the name of Jesus, but that doesn't mean that Jesus approves of what they're doing. That's right. That's right. Uh, let me interrupt here. Randy came in with a question, but it doesn't relate 100% to this, although maybe there could be a tie-up, but we'll hold on to that question. Uh, Randy, we'll get to your question, Randy. But uh, but don't you – let me throw a little fly in the ointment there, Scott. Sure. Uh, read Matthew 10, 34. Oh, Matthew chapter 10, verse 34. Good question. <laughs> Jesus said, don't think that I came to send peace on the earth. I didn't come to send peace, but a sword. So, so let's, let's go. Let's go get all our swords, and then we can go ahead and conquer the world, right? Yeah, yeah. And this is a good example of context. Uh, if the next verse said, so stab the Romans, <laughs> you know, split <laughs> the Romans' throats, um, uh, it'd, it'd be one thing. But instead it says this. Do not think that I've come to bring peace on the earth. I've not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to set a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law, and a person's enemies will be those of his own household. Whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Whoever doesn't take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. So he's not talking about a literal sword here, but conflict between family members, which, of course, someone else could say, well, right there, that would be evil in itself. 
you know, if there's strife between two family members, that would be evil. Uh, why is it important that the allegiance to Christ be greater? Well, if we don't have that as our first priority, I mean, we can go almost any direction if we just go the direction that our family goes. Um, that's always been uh, the order of the two greatest commandments, to love the Lord your God with all your heart and then loving your neighbor as yourself. That's right. We have to understand which allegiance is more important. For example, does the New Testament make it very clear that we're to obey governors, kings, the laws of the land? Absolutely. Yeah, a couple of passages would be what? Romans 13, 1 Peter 3. Yeah, Titus 3. So that, that's, that's clear. But when the Jewish Senate ordered Peter and John, do not talk about Jesus, what was, what was their response? They said, is it better for us to obey man or to obey God? Yeah, so in other words, here was an authority and here was the higher authority. When the lower authority is saying disobey the higher authority, you don't do that. Um, if, if, if the mayor of my little village tells us all to disobey state law and federal law and the Constitution, well, that's, they, they've overstepped their boundaries. So uh, you, there was going to be uh, sometimes. Go ahead, Stephen. Just another comment uh, from Alan Williamson. He says, doesn't Isaiah 2-4 teach that Christians would not learn war anymore? If Christians followed this prophecy, then would the disciples of Christ not be making war? I yeah, the, the, the picture there is peace, that nations come to have peace with each other. And actually, I want us to talk about that from a historical uh, viewpoint in just a second. But I'd like to touch back on this thing about families as well, because this is what I've noticed. I've, I've seen people who insisted, no, no matter what God said, you put family first. You put family first. You, you stand up for family, even if they're wrong, you put family first. I had a fella tell me one time, so I posed the question to him. I said, suppose your brother murders somebody and he knows the police are looking for him and he comes to you and he says, I want you to get me out of the state. Would you help him to escape? And he said, yes, because that's my brother. And it's family first, no matter what, even if they're wrong. And here's what's interesting. Let me add one to that before you get to what's interesting. Yeah. This is firsthand. When I first became a Christian in my younger, younger uh, in my 20s, do I go back that far? Uh, my family noticed a difference in some of the behavior I was, I was going through. And confrontation started coming up and I and I referred to what Jesus had said and I guess I got to a point where I said it one or two many times that they didn't want to hear it one of my uncles actually stood up and said I don't care what Jesus says this is family and wow. that just blew me away and then that <laughs> that Matt chapter 10 Matthew came right out in real time for me yeah so, and that, that's a lot of people's idea. I don't care what Jesus said. They don't always come out and say it, but that's their attitude. I don't care what God says. I don't care what Jesus said. This is family. Those same people will later betray their family if it becomes, you know, a, a selfish motivation oftentimes. So like the fellow that I remember making that statement, uh, he uh, later he 
put his mother-in-law in the hospital. Um, and I think he was either cheating on or left his wife. So what happened to that family first, no matter what? Here's the point. We are better family members when we obey the teachings of Christ. Mm-hmm. Husbands are better husbands when they obey what Jesus said. When they obey what Jesus said when they're madly in love with their wives. And they also obey what Jesus said when they're frustrated and angry at their wives. Children are better children when they obey what Jesus said and what the, what the New Testament says about obeying God. Not only when they want, agreed with what their parents said, but when it wasn't what they wanted. When they honor father and mother and obey their parents, they're better children. Wives are better wives when they follow what Jesus and his apostles said rather than just doing what is for them what they want to do at the moment. Mm-hmm. You had a, a couple other comments come in on the Facebook page. Um, Luke Moyer, um, this is a little lengthy, but I want to read it. I think a couple of good points here. This is kind of going back to the original question uh, about the distinction between religion and worldview. Um, he says, I think the original question misunderstands, perhaps, the distinction between religion and worldview. For while, while atheists like to pen wars and wrong onto religion, it's just a farce. Because all men believe in something. It's not about does belief cause evil, but which belief. Uh, yes. While some pen war on religion, the reality is that, number one, atheists have committed equal, if not more, atrocity on mankind. For example, abortion. Um, therefore, the problem extends religion and goes uh, to a more base morality system. Uh, number two, without a premise of morality, for instance, religion, uh, who are you to say that evil exists at all? Uh, anyone who opposes the, quote, evil of religion are using their own opinion as their basis for morality. Now it just becomes a war of my opinion versus yours. We must then argue for what is actually consistent with each belief system. Christianity is most consistent with peace and salvation. Yes. Atheism is most consistent with anarchy and evil. Very good comment. Would, is society not better when people treat their neighbor the way that they want to, want to be treated? Is society not better when people do not steal, when people do not commit adultery, when people do not bear false witness? Isn't society better when people do that? Isn't society better when people respect the laws and pay their taxes? Isn't society better when people are not killing each other and behaving violently to each other? So these are Christian principles. And of course they benefit society. Yeah, yeah but they, and, and as it was mentioned, that people abuse and twist things. And- yes their personal desires come into play and they'll. Mm-hmm. Here, here's on, a, here's uh, a statement. The, Go ahead. Just back on the family point real quick. Uh, we had a couple more comments. Alan Williamson commented, Luke 14, 26, and this is Jesus speaking. If any man come to me and hate not his father and mother and wife and children and brethren and sisters, yea, in his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. And repeated, he cannot be my disciple. Um, so there's certainly that principle we've already talked about of putting the Lord first before our family. And then Natalie Wilson uh, commented, I've had problems in my family where I had problems with sin that caused me a lot of suffering. And I wished my family would put me before God so I wouldn't have to struggle anymore. But my family put God first. And I'm so thankful 
because they showed me unwavering love. And this brought me back to a place of contentment and peace with God. Perfect. Thank you for sharing that, Natalie. And that, that's where the peace really comes from. The peace is not between men. It's between a person, human being, and God. And if we all have peace with God, then by osmosis, we have peace with each other. Yeah. And Romans 12 tells us, as much as possible, be at peace with all men. In fact, it says, as much as within you as possible. Because sometimes there's people that don't want to be at peace with us. But from our end, we need to want to be at peace with other people. And those who admit to Christ are obligated to approach life that way. Alan brought up that uh, passage in Luke 16, which added to the concept of what Matthew was saying in, in in chapter 10 was hating yourself. So it's not just others, family members that you're to hate as well, you know, compared to Christ, but hate yourself. Yeah, put the Lord first above everything else. And And comment on the word hate there. Does Jesus have animosity? Certainly not, because Jesus is the same one who is telling the Pharisees, you got to honor your parents. And when they were trying to, you know, say, oh, I've given this to God, but they weren't taking care of their parents. Right. Um, he, he teaches that we need to care for, to, to love, uh, you know, husbands, love your wives. But I think in the context, again, where he's saying in comparison to our love and commitment to God, we hate our family members and even our own wife. Um, again, the second greatest commandment, love your neighbor as yourself. But we understand how to love ourselves intuitively. And he's saying you have to, by comparison, Put everything as a distant second that compared to your love for God, it's a hatred. That I heard and that's somewhere. clear when we look. That's clear when we look at Matthew's account because it has the same point, except instead of the word hate, it says he that loves this other more. Uh, that's that's what I was going to bring up. That word hate over there in Luke doesn't that refer to loving less? Yes. Yes. And Matthew confirms that. Yeah, that's the idea. That's the idea. That's right. We had another comment from Preston a second ago. He said, do you think that we should study apologetics more as Christians? So when people ask these kind of questions or say these kind of statements, we're more prepared? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, Yeah, these are very good questions. And I think that, you know, Preston brings up a good point that we're we're moving into a culture right now that – it seems generally speaking, and it's hard to paint with too broad of a brush here, but um, generally speaking, a lot more people are coming from a perspective that doesn't include God initially. Right. And so we can't just start with the Bible with most people. And so studying apologetics, studying uh, just general philosophical evidences and external evidences for the Bible and internal evidences from the Bible is going to be really helpful in a lot of conversations. And we need to get over the idea of, of just bemoaning the fact that, oh, I remember when there was prayer in school, you know, or, you know, we read the Bible in school or something like that. Paul didn't have that luxury. When he got to town, he didn't get to a city where everybody already believed in Jesus and, and thought he was the Christ. When he didn't get to a town where people in schools, you know, read the Bibles. It'd be nice if they did. But when Paul got to town, he dealt with unbelievers. He dealt with Jews who did not believe that Jesus was the Messiah. And he taught those, and, and some would accept it, some wouldn't. And then he would turn to the Gentiles who were pagans. And 
Go ahead, Drew. Well, there's another question came in. A couple more come, came in. Uh, Randy, we're not going to forget yours either, but there's an anonymous uh, question came in. And I don't, it kind of maybe fits the discussion. It says, how do you respond to someone who thinks Christianity is a contrived thing to control the masses? Because that is part of what the Crusades was, to try to control, right? And if it's a contrived yeah. thing, it's just one man's process and concept over another man's. Has the name of Christ, has religion ever been used by people in power to control the masses? Oh, absolutely. Yes, yes. Yeah. absolutely. Um, but what about Christianity being invented for that purpose? Yeah, was Jesus trying to control the masses? No. Jesus, he's, he lives his life aimed at, at what event? Say that again. Jesus lives his life aimed at what event at the end of three years? His death. Die. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Self-sacrifice. What physical throne is Jesus looking for? None. Yeah, he's not. In John chapter 6, when some of the Jews wanted to take him and make him king, what did Jesus do? John 6, 15. He, he went away. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and, uh, and when Pilate says, are you king? Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. Yeah. Peter makes clear the throne that Jesus ascended to. It's at the right hand of God. Mm -hmm. Jesus said in Luke 17, 20 and 21. In fact, let's turn and read that. Uh, whoever gets there first. Real, real quick, while you're on that point from John uh, 18, when Jesus before yeah. Pilate says, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then my servants would be fighting so that I would not be handed over to the Jews. And that's just really important. I think it's fair to say if we see someone doing something violently rebellious to the government or whatever, we can safely say they can do that in the name of Jesus, but it's not what Jesus said. Um, he said if his kingdom was of this world, his servants would be fighting. But he had just told Peter, put your sword away. Go ahead, Scott. Well, before yeah. you get to that verse, though, it, back to the question, responding to someone who thinks Christianity is a contrived thing for control of the masses, his thinking is wrong. It wasn't contrived, number one, and it's not to control the masses. And you have to go back to Jesus's original teaching, not the misuse of his That's teaching. Right. Let, let yeah. me give a quick example, a quick example of that. When the Constitution was written and the Declaration of Independence was written, um, were those men wanting to make sure that doctors had the legal, that women had the legal right to go to a doctor and pay him to chop up her baby or salt poison her baby? No, that wasn't their intention at all. But do you have a lot of people today that say it is against the constitution to limit abortion rights? Now, what was it really against the constitution? No. But it has been misused and misrepresented in the name of the other agendas. So anything, you can go back to anything and misrepresent it and try to make it fit your agenda. Let's read this text, though, because we want to make sure that we're using uh, which, what are you Bible, in? Bible text in answering questions. Which, Luke which, 20 and 21. Being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, he said, the kingdom of God is not coming in ways that can be observed. Nor they say, look, here it is, or there. Behold, the kingdom of God, American standard says, is within you. 
So when people submit to the teachings of Christ, which include love your neighbor as yourself and, and, and do to others as you would have them do to you, that benefits society. And there have been, there've been atheists and there've been rulers that didn't believe, but realized that their subjects are better people when they follow these principles. Now, Jesus isn't saying this for the convenience of rulers, but it's, it's true that people are better people when they follow these principles. And let me give, let me give one historical point here. Um, I don't by any means want to suggest the United States has been justified in all its various activities in dealing with other nations. There's, there's sin in the United States, there's sin all over the world. But in the middle of the, of the 20th century, during World War II, you had a major world war and we helped free part of the world and the Soviets helped free part of the world. The Soviets were under a system of atheism. The United States had a predominant belief in, in background in biblical principles and a, a respect for morals based on biblical texts. It was a deep part of our culture. Do you see a difference how we treated our enemies at the end of World War II and how the Soviets treated enemies at the end of World War II? Very good point. The Soviets used it to amass power and oppressed people. Who were, who were our two biggest enemies in World War II? Japan and Germany. Yeah. And did we defeat Japan? Yep. And did we help defeat Germany? Yep. I mean, the Soviets came from the other way. We came with British and such from, from, from this side. And I, I, right after the Berlin Wall came down, I went to East, I was in East Berlin and I was in West Berlin. It was amazing. What we did after it was over, we helped those countries and then we got out of their way and let them proceed as peaceful, prosperous democracies. Independent. Yeah, yeah. Now, why? I believe in part as wicked as our nation has been in many ways, because there was the influence of the teachings of Christ had a, had a prevailing mindset of how our enemies were treated. Stephen. Um, if you have anything else on that, we probably yeah. want to wrap that, wrap that up. Uh, Cause we got to have several comments on the yeah. Facebook thread that we want to get to. And sure. a lot of this comes back to um, dealing with how Christianity affects the family um, this passage that Jesus said, you have to hate your, your parents and, you know, your family members and yourself. Uh, Luke Moyer commented, uh, Matthew six twenty four: no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. It seems Jesus defines hate and love as choice and service. Um, choosing one over the other, serving one over the other is he's using that in parallel with love and hate is the idea. Um, a little later here, we've got a comment um, just on apologetics in general from Aaron Ellis. Um, some people assume that if you don't start with the Bible, you're belittling it. In fact, the opposite is true. You're using God's wonderful creation to verify what's written. Uh, and that's helpful. Uh, it's it's oh, important yeah. in our dialogue right now in our culture to 
never assume that if someone disagrees with you, they're trying to belittle you. Um, that's a, a big problem right now. And uh, yeah, it's certainly we're going to need to start from outside the Bible with a lot of people. Yes, I, um, I've heard people express the idea almost, I'll talk with anybody as long as they accept the Bible. Well, Paul didn't start that way. When he went into the synagogue, he knew they accepted the Hebrew prophets, so he started with the Hebrew prophets. But when Paul went to Mars Hill, he did not start with the Hebrew prophets because those people didn't already accept the Hebrew prophets. He started with creation. That's right. So some other comments uh, that have come in. Shia um, Miotza, um, Jesus commands us to love your enemies and to pray for those who persecute you. This puts things into perspective in that God is not expecting us to hate family and love our enemies. So we need to understand what he means by hate, meaning more in contrast, comparison to our relationship to God. This is a good way to put that um, with what we've, the points we've already made. Um, Natalie comments again and says, I have a family member who treated the church as a cult. And when I tried to talk to him, he treated me like I'd been brainwashed or something. How do I respond to someone like that? Because everything I tried to say, he just thought was a side effect of my delusion. Um, I, I've question. heard of. Yeah, it's a ask, good question. Yeah, asking questions to the other person. You know, how do you believe we got here? Do you believe? Here's a good way I think to start a conversation. How do you believe life got here? If you don't believe in God, how do you believe it got here? Did it got get here? because in non-living chemicals turned into life, or do you believe life was planted from some other planet? And whichever one they say they think it is, then you can ask them, now when you say you believe that, are you believing that because science has demonstrated that, or that's just your belief? And it helps people see other people have beliefs too, and based on what? What, what evidence do we have that life got put here by another, you know, from another planet? What evidence do we have that non-living things turn into life? Whereas with the idea of a creator, Romans one twenty says what? What's the point in Romans one twenty? Is that the one where they're without excuse because they see the invisible attributes of the God in what was made? Yeah, and those attributes are his eternal life and divinity. Yeah. You know, if you get people to start looking at just the design and the power in creation, that's a powerful thing. And it has to have a cause. If the effect is intelligent design, uh, you know, intelligently designed nature, uh, then there needs to be a cause for that effect. Are you responding to the cult part of the question on that? That, um, Oh, it suddenly slipped my mind Just, what it was. You're responding by asking them questions. If yes. they're saying to you, you've been brainwashed, you're part of a cult, turning things around and asking them reasonably, lovingly, hey, well, if you don't think this is a reasonable explanation, I've just been brainwashed, what is your explanation? How would you say we got here? And trying to get them to think through things because, again, we don't want to be brainwashed. It's possible for people to be brainwashed. Right. It's possible for people to be part of a cult. Yes. But we have to be reasonable as we're talking with people, both in asking them the reasons for why they believe what they believe and in being ready to give a defense to anyone who asks us for the reason that for the hope that's in us. 
And so the two-edged sword, one, asking them, well, what is your explanation? If you think this is ridiculous and I've been brainwashed, what would your explanation be? And the second thing is just very gently and carefully, if they're asking you a question and you don't have a good answer, brainwashed people lots of times will just default to something they know and kind of like hammer it and like, you mean like avoid the question. Talking points. Right. And if there's something you're stumped on, Reasonable people can say, well, that's a good question. I don't know yeah. about that. Let me get back to you on that, and let's talk about that. And um, that, I think, is also helpful, is showing people right. that you're reasonable is a helpful way to show them, I'm not being brainwashed. I'm questioning the things I'm being given, um, and I'm, I'm looking for answers, too. I don't have all the answers. And making up something and pretending you know, that we know an answer that we don't, that can cause... That's not, go ahead, Steve. And one more comment on this topic. Preston commented, he said, honestly, apologetics was not what kept me from leaving the church a long time ago when I had a lot of doubts. It was properly understanding the grace of God. I was always trying to be good enough, which is quasi-earned salvation perspective, but that is not what Romans teaches. We are saved by grace through faith, and it is not by our own doing, but it's by the grace of God. Churches are notorious for not teaching the grace of God properly. If we teach grace properly and live as people saved by grace, we will lead people to God in droves. Very good point. Very good. Point. Also, First Peter three fifteen, uh, it says, "Having a good conscience." Well, wrong verse. Sorry. Um, oh yeah, here we go. Yeah, verse fifteen. In your hearts, honor Christ as the Lord, as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you, yet do it with gentleness and respect, as, as Stephen was well pointing out. We'll go. It's referring to reason. Mm -hmm. And doing and it that's gently a, and respectfully. Yeah, yeah and, and we in the midst of our culture right now, I think it's especially important that we are transparent with people about uh, even sometimes if we have particular doubts about something, if we're not sure not to overstate things and not to just like, again, it tends to come across as being brainwashed and you're just like, no, no, this has to be, uh, we need to be firm. We need to be clear. Um, but as we're defending the faith, we need to um, be honest with people about where we're coming from and about uh, uh, what, where we're at. Uh, Aaron Ellis also asked, are these studies normally at this time of day? And I'll say, uh, yes, uh, these, these studies are Tuesdays at 2. Um, and uh, one will uh, be it's, doing uh, it. Although it is, it's, I guess you can call it a study, but it's really a talk show. We're, we're talking back and forth about different questions, and we are learning. So, yeah, in that sense, it is a study. But every, every Tuesday at 2 o'clock, we do this. In fact, let me just plug in, make a plug before we get to one of those other questions we have here, too. I want to make a plug that uh, if you go to BibleQuest.tv, you can still go to .org. We still have that working, but this, the website now is BibleQuest.tv, and you'll be able to also at that time click on the iTunes button if you wanted to subscribe to podcasts so you can watch this at any time and even catch up on back shows. We're uploading the previous shows to the podcast uh, functionality over the next few days. We've got about five up there now. So I want to put a plug in for our growing into podcast world uh, on iTunes, Google Play, and a few other platforms. Also, be picking this up as uh, as we move forward. Um, yeah, thanks to Drew for doing the tech work on that. 
Uh, no problem. I love doing that kind of stuff. Um, I want to get to that number two question. Before we get to Randy's more recent question that came in today, uh, can we want to get to that second question? Because I don't think that's uh, too hard for you to answer, Scott. We'll leave that one to you. What so was which one? Number two is the question from Randy Berry. Uh, he asked, what was Paul talking about in verse 19 of Philemon when he said that you owe me even your own self as well? Uh, I would conclude from that that, that he means uh, that Paul had brought him to the Lord. And, and so it, 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 there was that uh, kind of a spiritual... Uh, gratitude, indebtedness, you know, favor that Paul had done for him. Uh, one historical question there is that it seems to be that Philemon is at Colossae, and from the book of Colossians, we know that Paul had not been to Colossae at the time and point he wrote uh, Colossians, which I think would be about this time as well. So how would he have maybe baptized Philemon if Philemon's in Colossae and Paul is not? Had, had not been to Colossae, and the answer would be what? He could have converted him somewhere else, and he traveled yeah. to Colossae. I mean, he converted Onesimus in prison, and now Onesimus <laughs> is headed back to Colossae. So. Yeah, and by the time Philemon gets this letter, Onesimus is yeah, mm -hmm. back there. Doesn't Paul, also use, doesn't Paul also use the term uh, referring to some of the Christians, my children, or is that John doing that? That's John. Okay, so in that, that sense, in that mm -hmm. sense, my little children, there's a reference there like, you know, if you, if you brought someone into the Lord, he's like a child of yours. In that spiritual well, sense. Paul does say that uh, you have many teachers in Christ, but you do not have many fathers. I believe that's 1 Corinthians 4. That's and right. Refer to that father-child relationship um, as those he converted at Corinth. He's appealing to them to listen to him on that basis. Yeah, and I, he refers I, to Timothy as his child in the faith. That's what I meant, child in the faith. And I, I think of that with the gentleman that introduced me to the scriptures uh, when I was in the Navy. And I, and I, I feel, too, I like I owe my life. <laughs> and, that, and that's a figurative sense. Yeah. And so that would be that, that verse, of Philemon 19, where he says, I, Paul, am writing this with my own hand. I will repay it. And then parenthetically, not to mention to you that you owe to me even your own self as well. So we take that to mean uh, that he had converted Philemon himself. I'd like to save uh, Randy's other question to maybe next week, because I think we can spend a little bit more time on that. Okay. And uh, so, Randy, we'll pick up your question about the Gentiles' uh, times of fulfillment, which is, uh, yeah. I have some things I want to get into that myself. We'll hold that one until next week. But there was another one that I think we wanted to try to close out today if we could. We got time. What time? We got. Well, we only got we two. Got minutes. Couple, yeah, we'll probably save our, our other questions for next week. But I want to go ahead and thank everybody. Uh, we had a really good discussion in the comments today. Um, thank you for tuning in. Um, Lord willing, we'll be picking up next week with uh, our questions uh, Tuesday at two. Drew. Yeah, I want to also add when people go to uh, watch the program on any channel, whatever distribution point you're looking at. Uh, subs either subscribe or like us or give us a rating so we can build up ratings on that, good or bad. We want to hear it, hear it from both sides uh, and help us get the more publicity of this talk show as we uh, proceed.
And th th again, thanks everybody for, for the input in, in the comments today, because that's what we're looking for is input during the program and comments and questions. Thank you very much. And thanks especially to those who shared personal stories about uh, things that have happened to them. I think that's really helpful as we're talking about real life situations, uh, real application of these spiritual principles. So, so thanks to everybody. And again, we always want to come back to God's word as the foundation uh, for all the answers that we give. We'll wrap up our show there. For this week, hope to see you all again next Tuesday at 2 o'clock Eastern Time. Lord willing. All right. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.